2: From KQED. From KQED in San Francisco, I'm Alexis Madrigal. Mimi Tempest's electric new poetry collection from City Lights is a wild ride. Words come flying out of unusual parts of the page. Lines break in ways you don't expect. There are plays, violence jokes. What is it to be a black queer femme in America, in the Academy, in the Bay Area? Tempest's work is bedeviled by the knowledge that different performances of her blackness would be fawned over and published, while others might be ignored or even reviled. But the best defense is a good offense, no? And these poems come right at the reader and whatever you might be thinking about her. The city's poet laureate, Tongo Eisen-Martin, called Mimi a cosmos. Mimi calls themself a storm. She joins us after this news. Welcome to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. There's a tendency with poets, as with artists, to appreciate the greats in retrospect. We rely on time to sort out the truly novel and fascinating from the more everyday among us. Sometimes, though, people get known among their peers as someone special, long before they are revered more widely, and Mimi Tempest is that kind of poet. Her new poetry collection, The Delicacy of Embracing Spirals, came out last week from City Lights, strikes me as a perfect publisher for her. There's an anger, a confidence, and a literate abandon that I associate with the best of city lights. This is not poetry for taking with your tea. Prepare yourself this morning. Welcome Mimi Tempest to Studio B.
3: Good morning, Alexis. Thank you for having me.
2: So good to have you. Um, You know, you call yourself in some of your different bios a, quote, daughter of California. What's that particular phrase mean to you?
3: Yeah, I'm a, a, a daughter of Khalifa. The, the, the narrative, the, the folklore of, of the goddess Khalifa. And I uh, see that all that I do and how I walk and how I talk and that strength, that black warrior goddess energy um, flows through me. So when I refer to myself as a daughter of Khalifa, I'm really referring to myself as a, a proud and strong person uh, associated with the, the, the mystique of this land. Yeah.
2: You know, I was also thinking about some of your kind of literary ancestors. Mm -hmm. Um, You've mentioned Wanda Coleman, Mm -hmm. uh, maybe Pat Parker. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how that work, you know, say Wanda Coleman in particular, has has influenced you. uh, For those who don't know, Los Angeles, black woman poet, working working in the second half of the 20th century.
3: Yeah, second half of the 20th century. And she was uh, another powerhouse that I hope to uh, be in alignment with uh, as my own trajectory grows uh, in my career. But um, Wanda was the poet that made it cool to write about Los Angeles the way she wrote about Los Angeles. Um, You know, we have Bukowski, we have Foster, we have, you know, a a, a literary uh, charcuterie board, if you will, of powerful (laughs) Los Angeles poets. But Wanda did it in a way that was particular to her blackness. To her womanness, to uh, her um, class consciousness, and I had to write specifically the delicacy of embracing spirals with her in mind.
2: So interesting, you know. I was reading one of her uh, poems this morning called "The Ism," mm-hmm. um, where she's kind of talking about, you know, just spoiler alert, talking about racism. <laughs>
0: right. uh,
2: and you know, she says, you know, it's on television and in the streets. Even when my walk is casual, undefined, it's overhead flashing lights. I find it in my mouth when I would speak of other things. Mm. And I was thinking about that in relation to your work and, you know, otherized people, you know, blackness, queerness, these things generate these amazing creative upwellings as they interact with this, you know, dominant culture. But would you rather speak of other things? Like, or or how, what is that tension for you?
3: Mm, that's a great question. Um, my mentor, Trong Tran, uh, he always tells this anecdote. He goes, you know, I, I get up in the morning and I walk around... You know, San Francisco, I go through the streets and I go on the bus and I go get coffee and I, you know, I run my errands. And at some point, at some point in the day, some white person or some institution or something intercedes and all my anger comes out. So it's it's more so it's, of course, i rather write about flora and, fla- and fauna, right? <laughs> but as I move through the world, through my own identity, that anger... Um, is inevitable. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, yeah. Yeah. Survival at this point.
2: Um, I've also heard you talk about that. There are other spaces that you've been able to, to enter into. Um, you know, there was a queer party scene in L.A., mm-hmm. for example that kind of allowed you to to feel the other components of these identities. So like, Can you talk about like, what was that? Because when I've heard you talk about it, it sounds amazing. What, what, <laughs> what was that LA party scene and what was going on?
3: Yeah, I'm a child of Mustache Mondays. It's a legendary queer underground party that, oh Lord, started in, uh, I believe tw- 2009 and, and didn't stop until 2019, right when uh, the founder Nacho Nava passed. And uh, that was a queer utopia. You know, everyone was there. The, the All the kids. If you were broke, if you were poor, if you were famous, if you were a nobody, you were somebody once you stepped into Mustache Mondays. <laughs> and a part of me is sad because I, I have a feeling, and I, I hope I will, but I have a feeling I'll never get that back. Mm. But that was, uh, it was total freedom, those spaces. And I would say uh, there was nothing like it. It was a movement. Uh, it was... Uh, it was ecstasy, but at its highest and purest form.
2: Will you not get that back because you've changed or because you feel like the world has changed in some way?
3: Both. I, I, I at this point in my life, in my career, I can't go back to who I was uh, during those times. But I would say without Mustache Mondays, there, will ne- they, there wouldn't be a Mimi Tempest. Hmm. Yeah.
2: I mean, you, at that time, were... Maybe thinking you wouldn't be a poet or maybe poet wouldn't be your like first thing on your bio. You'd have been something else, uh, a performer, a a, a musical artist.
3: I always wanted to be a writer, um, but I wasn't brave enough to uh, write the way that I do now. So the alternative was rap, music and performance. So those were my building blocks to get to where I am in this moment.
2: You think it's still in the work? Yeah, Any
3: of, of course. You hear Mimi Tempest poem, Like the performance is is all there. You hear my, you know, it's just natural.
4: Yeah.
2: Um, one of the things you say uh, about this book, you say, uh, I wrote this book wondering, what is the performance of my story? Mm-hmm. Do I want to tell the truth? What the blank is truth anyway? <laughs> yeah. Isn't this all a farce? How can I tell you where I begin and end if I haven't even arrived? And it does, this book does feel like it, it is you performing different versions of yourself yeah. in, in these in these poems. Um, talk just about you know how do you, how do you kind of resolve that multiplicity, or or do you not?
3: Uh, I don't. Uh, I, I think everyone uh, at any point in their journey can choose whatever path that seems fitting, uh, and we're all in evolution, right? We're constantly growing, constantly being informed um, by these situations or scenarios that we find ourselves in. So. If if I have the permission to grow, so do others. And I I would say I guess you could say the 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 push for this book is to allow others to explore their multitudes and their own performances as they move through the world. Because a lot of people don't know that they're performing.
2: Huh. Talk talk to me more about that. What do you, you?
3: I mean, it's it's the mask. It's. The, the face you wear at the grocery store, it's the face you wear in the classroom, it's the face you wear in front of a lover, um, that mask is always changing and some people don't realize that they're switching masks, they're just move. they're surviving. Yeah. Um, I like to explore all those masks so that I, I, I could tell when I'm wearing it, when I'm not, and who's the self and who isn't the self and what's necessary in order for me to, to survive. Yeah.
2: Um, the the book itself, we we both have our copies here. <laughs> yeah. We don't have it out in the audience, but um, it has this um pretty amazing cover art. How, how you describe it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's by Brian Kwan.
3: Brian Kwan, uh, shout out to Brian Kwan. He is uh, a a barely graduated student from CCA. He just moved to New York, and he's a young. Genius, I call him the Peter Parker (laughs) of my little crew of friends because he's so young and so brilliant and it's hard to catch him. But this this cover is 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 what I would describe as a a phantasmagoria. Mm -hmm. Um, It's
2: uh, emanating from a third eye. Yeah,
3: Yeah. truly, truly. And it's an explosion. Um I don't know can I say this it's an orgasm can I say that yeah it's an uh, orgasm it's not, it's not on the list of band words okay <laughs> <laughs> uh it's an orgasm it's it's a mind exploration a journey into the inner and outer simultaneously
2: mm. yeah and it in style it's um it almost looks like a woodcut I don't think it's a woodcut but it's like uh right uh black and white kind of line art mm. yeah mm. it's really beautiful um we should probably have you read a poem. Let's start with yeah. um, one of the shorter ones. I think we got um, actor. Yeah, uh, this is a. Well, you can set it up. It's a piece of like a a, a larger sequence. Yeah, I think would call it. Yeah,
3: yeah. This it's the beginning of a larger sequence, and it's the actor, and the the piece after that is the star. The piece after that is uh, my Amanda Gorman uh, poem. Uh,
2: Which we are going to talk
3: about. (laughs) Yeah,
2: called The Poet. (laughs) And that's in. That's called Foreshadowing (laughs) for Segment B. You didn't even know that. Right.
3: Ooh, okay, good, good. Okay, good. (laughs) Um, You want me to start? Yeah, Uh, go for it. All right, this is the actor. Uh, Every audience tries to solve me like a Rubik's Cube. My true nature takes shape as a labyrinth. It's the ones who ain't spin the block through hell, misunderstanding my full-figured salaciousness, calculated. They discard me, take on more measured women, clean. Ones less feral, less vocal, more polite. Their tongues like wilted flower petals, conditioned to say less, be less. Poor tampered beast unpronounced and claimed, a pity. My essence, the very thing which draws them in, now has them running out. My fangs, shown too soon, this time. When they try to retrieve what was lost, I can never be found. I'm too busy admiring my face in a handheld mirror while sitting on the moon.
2: I was Mimi Tempest reading her poem. The actor, part of a larger sequence in her book, "The Delicacy of Embracing Spirals." You know, one of the things that the audience can't quite tell, although your voice does it, is the the words on these pages sometimes are coming. They're in they're in different spots, right? They're, yeah. Um, but it did seem to me as I was kind of reading this aloud to myself yesterday, like it it makes sense like there is an actual other rhythm that's created by breaking up the lines like that yeah
3: yeah yeah that's a technique uh, that you get out of the the MFAs right <laughs> um, but also a technique that i get out of my own own reading i, I like uh, like a lot of folks know i'm a former hip hop artist or a retired hip hop artist <laughs> but i'm also a, 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 a kind of an understudy of jazz too huh. so when i read i try to core uh, incorporate those two elements yeah, of raises. musicality yeah, into my readings. It's
2: Beautiful. We're talking with Mimi Tempest, poet, multidisciplinary artist, retired uh, hip-hop <laughs> artist. Her new poetry book from City Lights is The Delicacy of Embracing Spirals. We'll be back with more right after the break. Thank you. Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. We're talking with Mimi Tempest, poet, multidisciplinary artist. I have a new poetry book out from City Lights. It's called The Delicacy of Embracing Spirals. We're going to get some more performances. Uh, and, and, you know, I think we should go, we should talk about, before the break, we heard the actor, which was a part of this kind of sequence. Mm-hmm. And I think you should read for us the poet uh, on the cover of Vogue. Yeah. And let's, we'll talk a little bit about it after you read it.
3: Let's see if I could, uh, all right.
2: It is, uh, yeah, 31.
3: The poet on the cover of Vogue. The costume. Louis Vuitton, Kente cloth, rich green presented as caftan, wraps the young black woman's body, draped to become more symbol than familiar. Belt, gold-plated, from the personal collection of Virgil Abloh himself. A stoic yet friendly stare into the lens, warm and inviting, coincidental, proctored. The plot, representation, freedom, a stepping stone for change, translating critical race theory, invoking Maya Angelou. The angle, an inauguration of assimilation masquerading as riot, with every camera operating as gaze, golden youth smile radiates to parade, or to be paraded as laureate, a doll of their standards. The poetry, ready made.
2: Amy, <laughs> Amy, Tempest, uh, shot fired here. I feel like <laughs> that, that, um, if you search poet cover of vogue you will see that it's amanda gorman yes um uh and if you want to know about kind of the precision of the writing in that costume um just go ahead if you can right now google you know amanda gorman um vogue and and then think about (laughs) about how you (laughs) described it um i i don't read that as you not liking amanda gorman
3: oh my god shout out to amanda gorman girl, get your bag, (laughs) let these white people uh, (laughs) pay you and and dress you in as much Louis Vuitton as possible. I'm not hating, I'm just observing as the audience member of that Vogue magazine. And like when you see that, Mm
2: -hmm. um, you don't want to be that, right?
3: No, no, I I, I don't. Um, I don't, and I... Me personally, I think other peoples may have, other people may have a different uh, perspective or desire for what they want out of poetry. I would never want to uh, put myself in any position where the poetry itself is sacrificed. Um, so I love that she's a symbol, and I, I love that she's become uh, a, a character of of what a poet is supposed to be. But uh, you know the poetry is taking a hit, and I don't think that's necessarily her fault.
2: You know this uh, this book you really are. I mean, I think I said an in intro. Bedeviled was the word that was coming to me. The devil? About, be, bedeviled. 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 Yeah. By that by that idea uh, that audiences would look at or through or with you in kind of the wrong way. Mm, yeah. Wrong... <laughs> and. What is it about that that you find so troubling?
3: Um, I mean, I feel like it starts at the the beginning with the Wanda Coleman uh, quote, uh, this whole notion of uh, being misunderstood or the word misunderstood is kind of repeated throughout the entire text. I don't mind being misunderstood. I think uh, one should, I think the audience should have to do the work of trying to interpret whatever it is that they, have out of the book, and if that means they project their own um, interpretations or misinterpretations of myself for the work that's okay mm. I don't mind that you don't mind
2: being misunderstood though
3: no I understand myself <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, it's interesting though because you there's this kind of figure in this book also of the frame which mm. is both like literal in some of the poems like an actual frame dangling from a tree. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also all these other things. And it, it, to me, that seemed to have to do... Maybe you don't mind being misunderstood, but you don't want to be consumed. Right. Right? And it does seem really difficult to balance that when getting any attention for poetry is so difficult, right?
3: Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, go ahead.
2: I'm no, 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 you go ahead.
3: I mean, it comes with the, the territory of, of putting yourself out on the line. You know, every time I step in front of a microphone and full of a room full of people... I become their frame or their canvas, um and it's I think I think what makes a great artist is understanding that you're that to the consciousness, but not that to yourself. so I'm very clear in my own uh, attempt at making art or presenting my art that I'm not responsible for anyone's own consciousness onto my body or my mind or my words. Um, all I can do is present to you the canvas. <laughs> You know the portrait of yourself <laughs> at the end of the, at the end of it all.
2: Yeah, we're talking with Mimi Tempest, poet, multidisciplinary artist. Her new poetry book is in my hand. It's yeah. the delicacy of embracing spirals. Do you have questions for Mimi Tempest about poetry or, or life? How do you use art to explore your various you know intersectional identities? You can give us a call. The number is eight six six seven three three. 6786. That's 866 6786 You can email your comments or questions to the forum at kqed.org. And of course, you know, Twitter, Instagram, etc. We're KQED forum. maybe Tempest, also yeah. on Instagram as me maybe Tempest. Um there is we we have some other poems um that I think would be would be good for you to read. Um uh let's go to 64 maybe we can um set this up a little bit Ooh, yeah um yeah tell, tell us a, a little bit about this poem rat race the mickey mouse and me wants to eat your face
3: <laughs> i love that title
2: because <laughs> we'll read from top of 64 to the to the end here
3: oh it's a, it's a longer piece you ready it's a longer piece
2: i'm ready are you is everyone else ready out there just imagine they're cheering
3: yeah <laughs> Maybe. um do you want some, some some yeah
2: set us up a little bit as we as we kind of go into
3: it yeah i mean this i feel like this piece uh, alongside um the delicacy of embracing spirals is like the most spiralish of the the poems where i, I let the consciousness of the mind kind of uh or yeah just do what it wants um it's interesting because I feel like at the end of this poem, and you all will hear it, I, f- I finally get some type of order. Mm. But I, I I think that's part of the, the whole notion of the rat race is we're chasing um, this emblematic or this uh, symbolic form of ourselves. And we never really get there huh. um, within the mind. Within It's like, okay, well, let me turn this back on you. It's like I'm racing through my own mind or I'm racing through my own consciousness or whatever condition um, that the world is placed on me, um, but so are you, and you have to contend with that as much as I am as well. Yeah. So it's a, it's more of an offering. Um. Yeah. Beautiful. Than anything.
2: All right. It's gonna be Mimi Tempest reading. Uh, we'll call it a, a an excerpt from yeah. Rat Race. The Mickey Mouse and me wants to eat your face.
3: <laughs> nice. They they begged me, Alexis. They they begged me, to steady my spirit. When they can't take hold of my reins. I'm still dancing for myself. Riding angles until the soul can't break no more. Passive weekends with angels sounding their horns at my bedside. Blood gut deliveries received as pastel crucifixions. Lucid reveries. Brain dead on Tuesdays. Tugging at the will like we gon' run out of time. Running through the will like all we have is time. Grave dig into my ovaries. Find a muted universe. Name it Lilac. Turn it red. Wishes writing their visions into a favorite conquest tell them all to make shift their own dreams make it desperate and begging for mercy. My lineage never taught me how to be, just how to serve. I never wanted these prayer hands. I opted to be a project of eloquent violence. God is as real as she never was. They all got kingdoms hissing behind their eyes, yet failed to admit in order for a black woman to worship herself as God, God must change. Do you see the sky bending over backwards anytime soon? Why wear a crown when we can make claim to your own head? What good is truth when all you can do is think about it? Decapitation is the friendliest reminder of our yearnings to revolutionary, uh, excuse me, decapitation is the friendliest reminder of our yearnings to revolutionary contaminations. There is no way of all seeing without being seen. This is organized in every direction. I endow myself as the monument of my own fantasies, believe in this life as artifice, with ancestors roaring in the cyclone of my middle name. And Secmet firing from the back of my throat And every item delivering as my decency Shedding itself through my descent into purgatory The pros and cons of my faithfulness Renders me the greatest Saturday sightings of me as a sage Less Marjorie Kempmore, Roxanne Chante, Spitting cayenne takes between loads of laundry With mama's expectations hounding at my backside The frenetic consciousness of my body holds more weight Than the tedious posture of the poet Chin up, eyes down Snarling niceties and the grace of fairness hit the mic and gravitate into a flow only to ask my mind's mirror, are there passions that you have or passions that have you? How many interpretations can be had before the utterance of a single word? Will you fall prey to the exhilaration and perils of being too loudly? Will you let this paranoia stick to your lungs? Is this an antebellum decadence or... Do you have a a bloodthirst to go round for round? My readiness is already being interpreted, hinted. I'm always auditioning to be someone else. Tell on me. You got it all figured out. I'm a tyrant to this fashion, carrying my essence and audacity against the core, black and unexcellent, human to a fault, a hybrid corpse, defying continuum to become America's most brilliant psycho, a stream of consciousness sold down river. Everything is available to pollute. I've been turned on. I've been metaverse, being born with only a touch of reality. I refuse to be minimized. Y'all not going to do me how you did, Wanda. (laughs) I've become righteously indignant and hyper aware of the whiteness that powder cakes this excuse of an interrogation. My new poem, full of my ego instead of myself. (sighs) My Los Angeles melancholy of a where it's had again, a compound fraction in the study of undeniable madness. I've been trying to destroy this reality since I first opened my eyes, surveying all the peace I can disturb if I've yet to find my own. This is my new high. Truth or dare, Alexis?
2: <laughs> truth or dare? Truth.
3: Truth. All right. The truth is I'll be first. I dare you to pick up a pen and not bubble in a poem. I dare you not to sleep on any prodigious black woman soliloquy. I dare you to hold these words and find yourself implicated in the violent acts that serve as the backdrop to the blood spilled onto these pages. I dare you to hold your applause, to pull the machete out of your neck. I dare you. I dare you.
2: That was Mimi Tempest reading Rat Race. The Mickey Mouse in me wants to eat your face. (laughs) Um, Might need a second to pull the machete out of my neck, though. Um, (laughs) You all got to hear it, but I got to experience it live in the studio. Um, That is from their new poetry book, The Delicacy of Embracing um, Spirals. I mean, what's amazing to me, having read this before I saw you perform it, having also heard you uh, perform it differently other times, do you give yourself a, if readers can imagine there are words here kind of in columns and do you kind of does that give you space to perform it differently depending on the context depending on how you feel that morning depending on where it comes in a conversation because you kind of the the options are almost built into the architecture of the poem
3: yeah i think you hit it on on the nail it's it's a mood thing uh, it's a, it's a, it's you know d- it depends on what part of the poem I want to hit differently, um, on how I feel. Yeah, it's like how I feel. Like to me, the, the 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 second act of the poem is more interesting than the first. You know, and another day it might be the first half of the poem instead of the second, and you know what I feel is true in that moment versus what isn't true. So the parts that I want to hit will kind of be highlighted or. Played up more, and if I want to land a joke here, you know, I'll do something different with my voice. I I, I invite um, myself, and I invite the the audience to fill into the work however it is that they see fit.
2: Yeah. I mean, do you see your style as in the tradition of spoken word or not? Uh, not. <laughs>
3: yeah. I, yeah. I, I I I I'm going to say this publicly. I loathe uh, slam artists. <laughs> I loathe them, uh, and they could come for my neck all they want. Good luck, uh, <laughs> but I, 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 have a respect for spoken word. Uh, they're just uh, particular styles that I, I love over others. Um, so yes, I would consider myself a spoken word artist, but I think I'm so much more interesting. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, Mimi, let's let's bring in a call, Janet in Berkeley. Oh. Well, welcome, Janet.
3: Hi, Janet.
1: Hi. Hi. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. Go ahead. As an African-American older woman, mm. I just want to put it in the ethers that I'd like for us to be mindful of, like the Amanda Gorman comment about she may have compromised her poetry. Mm. I think as Black women, when we achieve a certain level of recognition or, or um, acknowledgement, her being on the cover of Vogue, um, I'd like for us to be able to embrace that as it is for her mo- in her moment, mm-hmm. and not to throw a little bit of shade at her because we're so marginalized by others, and we're so there's such a need sometimes for us to not celebrate each other in our moments without judging. Mm-hmm. And so I know that wasn't the intent, but I think having experienced, I think success, and having others say, "Well, you you sold out," and mm-hmm. not having done so can be really, really difficult and painful for us as a people and and for it's not to not be a multi-generational perspective but to just celebrate okay she's doing her thing and not to judge whether she's she's compromised her craft Uh, that's the only thing i had an issue with
3: oh okay well janet i I respect your opinion and like i said i think that it's a, a monumental Moment for Amanda Gorman to be highlighted in the way that she has, but I am also entitled to my critique as a poet. So I'm going to stand by what I said. And I think she's uh, brilliant. I think she's a brilliant young woman. I think she uh, has every right to any accolade that she receives moving forward. But as someone who's true to this uh, and true to to my own technique and my own practice, I am allowed to have uh, a critique of her work, as, as anyone could have a critique of myself. so that, that The comes, slam
2: poets are coming for you.
3: Oh, uh, good luck. Like <laughs> I said, good luck. <laughs> and the commercial poets do. Oh! But Janet, I, I respect your opinion, uh, but I'm going to stand by what I said.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a really, it's interesting because I feel like the idea of selling out, mm. I, I thought it had sort of disappeared. It's almost like refreshing to me to hear someone say, yeah, no. Maybe don't do that. It's it's interesting. You
3: know, and I I think if anyone actually reads the delicacy of embracing spirals, the entire book, it it contends with this notion of selling out like how what are all the opportunities uh, that happens to a black artist as they're moving upward in the world. How many opportunities are there to sell out in the world? And I kind of placed that all in the book. There's different moments. You could sell out personally. You can sell out um, consciously. You could sell out spiritually. You could sell out sexually so I would say the Amanda Gorman piece is, is a critique, not of Amanda herself, but a critique of the institutions, a critique of the conditions that lead for that to happen in the first place. Mm. It's not an attack on her. It's an attack on the world in which we live in for someone as young as her to, to have to sacrifice her voice for the consciousness of uh, of a country that doesn't serve its marginalized people. Mm. So it's more so I'm I'm taking on the perspective of the gaze, instead of taking on a critique of Amanda herself.
2: Mm. That's Mimi Tempest. She's a poet and multidisciplinary artist. Got a new poetry book out. It's called The Delicacy of Embracing Spirals, out from City Lights. She's also got a book launch October 19th, 6 p.m. at City Lights, yeah, with your mentor, Trong Trend.
3: Trong Trend, 6 p.m., main room.
2: That's right. It'll be live streamed, too. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for more with Mimi right after the break.
0: Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera.
2: Welcome back to Forum. I'm Alexis Madrigal. I'm here in Studio B with Mimi Tempest, poet and artist. She's got a new book out. It's called The Delicacy of Embracing Spirals. What are your questions for Mimi Tempest? Or how do you use art to you know, reclaim or redefine uh, your identities? You can give us a call. The number is 866-733-6786. Forum at org, Twitter, Instagram, threads, and go on the Discord or KQED Forum. Let's bring in uh, Marisol in San Francisco. Welcome.
3: Hi, Hi Marisol. Hey, Mimi. Hi.
1: Um, you mentioned your mentor, Trong Tram. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry if I'm yeah, yeah. flipping the book name. <laughs> um, and I think that's really special to have a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was wondering if you could talk about your relationship as well as like how you found each other.
3: Mm, thank you, Mari. So that's a beautiful question because uh Trong holds a really, really special um place in my heart. But I uh, I moved from Los Angeles to uh, Oakland about six years ago because I uh, attended Mills College. R.I.P.
4: <laughs>
3: um, but uh, I—it's
2: merely evolved.
3: Yes, it's it's it's, it's an evolution of yeah. the of, of, of the of the school. But um, I actually was not a part of the MFA. I was part of the MA. But what I would do is I would sneak into either the craft classes or the MFA like periodically. And it was in the craft course that I uh, met Trong Tran. I, you know, b- before I was as refined as I am now, I was like kind of this punk kid, and I was shaved, bald headed, and I just came into his class with an attitude. And he was not scared of me. <laughs> um, and before you know it, uh, he had embraced me and really showed me the ropes when it came to the nature uh, of poetry, not only on a craft level but on a, on a way of thinking about poetry, like how does one not only write poetry, but how does one think of themselves as a poet in the world working? Um, and more specifically, how does one think of themselves as a person of color? Uh, Trong is Vietnamese and he's gay. So, um, Trong became my mentor. I mean, I, we, we fell in love, not in a romantic sense, but in a soul sense. And I, I, um, I'm forever grateful to him because he still teaches me um, as I grow in my own levels. And um, that's how that came about. It was, it was very organic. But I was, uh, you know, they say when when you're ready to learn, the teacher appears. And that's what happened. I was open to learning um, about myself and about my myself as a writer. And Trong just hopped right in. So... I hope that you and whoever else is listening finds their own mentors. And also uh, one more thing before I, I leave is it's okay to outgrow your mentor too. You know, Trong is my mentor, but he's also now my really good friend. So that allow those relationships to nurture uh, and build upon themselves
2: uh, as needed. it's wow. a hell of an answer. Thank you so much. Um, Ah uh, thanks, Marisol. Um you know you you mentioned and you and you have mentioned in your work it's it's kind of threaded throughout this kind of um relationship intersectionality between queerness mm. and blackness. Um, talk to me a little bit about how you see that of evolving for you, you know, as you've kind of come into that part of yourself for the last like you know, I guess about eight years or something.
4: Mm,
3: yeah, I, I mean, I think uh, this is kind of controversial apparently. But I think to be black in this country is to be queer. Um, We uh, serve as, quote, unquote, marginalized people. Um, So to me, they're um, inextricably, you can't separate them. Uh, So to me, as a a black woman, as a a fat woman, as a queer person uh, who identifies as as bisexual and someone who is also experienced and lived in these really beautiful communities, queer communities uh, throughout my ent- throughout my life um it seems inseparable in my own life so I, I i don't i i've never existed in any other way but i'm very conscious that the
2: intersection is just two circles right it's just there it's just i can't I,
3: I can't escape it but it, it exists and i know that other realms of existence exist but my my universe doesn't look like that so it's the work shows up as that all the time as well
2: yeah you know, in, in one of your poems, which, um, unfortunately, because it's kind of a, about the MF word, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, we we can't really read it on the air. But you have like a, a, a thing where you're kind of talking about, it, well, I'll just read it. It's a, you know, you say, what is the word? What can the word do? Mm-hmm. How can it stitch itself, stretch itself, hide itself, dream itself, reveal itself? Um how do you try and do that with words in a in a poetry collection like this? Maybe not that particular word, but like, are there are there other words that for you have that kind of feeling that that you've you're trying to take a particular word and transform it in this whole variety of ways?
3: Yeah, that, I mean that's the the theme of the spiral, right? Like, how can I take one instance, one word, one meaning, and stretch it, build it, cut it into? um as many possible conditions or meanings as possible i think that particular line in untitled three um is an example of the artist or the poet trying to break its own frame um existing within a frame and then consistently trying to like disregard it simultaneously And it happens at the level of language, but it also happens at the level of identity. And Mm -hmm. they kind of collapse on each other simultaneously. So it's this dance or negotiation that's constantly happening. Well, because
2: you did this too. um, uh, Mimi also curated an art show. Yes. Right. And you used... The avant-garde, but you struck through yeah. the avant-garde, <laughs> um, and what what did that mean to you to to do that? Because you do that with with a variety of words, mm-hmm. uh, and there's also like little footnotes and and other ways in which you're kind of breaking these words on the page.
3: Yeah, I mean, the strike through I would say is a really good tactic for anyone to use. But um, I mean, for for whistling the avant-garde, the exhibition, uh, it was kind of like a warning shot um, to. To tell folks that, yes, we are taking on this language of the avant-garde, which is historically European and French, but we're reclaiming it in our own way so that we can do with that language what we want to do. We are the advance guard, us black artists, POC, queer artists. We are the the forward movement. Um, So I'm using it. Dismantling it and then rebuilding it, however I see fit, and that strike through is usually the tactic that I use to to inform the audience of that.
2: I mean, I think it maybe it was in your curator statement or in, in another interview where you said the the artists I came up with, yeah, <laughs> they they didn't catch the wave because they were the wave, right, right,
3: right. We we I mean, yes, I think so many times. Uh, I mean the book starts with Basquiat's revenge, right? So Basquiat is kind of the the framing of the Saturnian artist that I'm playing with throughout this entire collection, but um you know Basquiat if you look at his trajectory, he wasn't trained in in a, in in a, in a normal school. He trained himself in the streets. He used to paint on on doorways and whatever scraps he found in the street. And I I find Basquiat's story very inspiring because that's how I uh, I came up. I was playing with with the kids in, in the los angeles streets so um yeah that that uh a lot of artists are begging to be recognized by certain institutions but i have a, a theory or i have a belief that if you create at your most honest and most soulful uh base that the work that you create uh, can is is just as as admirable and is just as beautiful as, as as anyone who who came up in school and created their work.
2: We should we should do another poem. Yeah. You know, what should we do um this is acceptance. You can set this one up too because it's also part of a a larger uh sequence. I
3: write a lot. You I like write, the sequence. I like
4: long <laughs> poems. <laughs> <laughs>
3: but this is a a sequence growing through the stages of grief and uh I really like uh, number five because it goes back to this notion of of misunderstanding or uh, being misunderstood and how to um, accept that um, as a person and as an artist, as a speaker. So number five, acceptance. At the grocery store, an elderly black woman, plum sweet, looked deep in the barrels of my eyes and said, sadness is a towering fiend. Said he makes claim in the hollowing of your stomach, feeds you breadcrumbs, then testifies that you've been fed pie. She gave me her pen and paper, suggested I make a list of the very desire I was shopping for, suggested that the key to getting over oneself was to revel in the reality of being misunderstood. She told me, your tears aren't anything new. She suggested I continue writing into an untapped possibility.
2: That was Mimi Tempest reading uh, Acceptance, part of a series of, of poems in um, their book, The Delicacy of Embracing Spirals. Oh, one of the things that I wondered about as I read this book, you kind of build, particularly in the beginning of the book, you build this very tumultuous character.
4: <laughs>
3: Which one?
2: <laughs> uh, you know, yeah, kind of a god out there running the streets, living the life, yeah. devouring men and women, drugs and words. And is that Mimi Tempest? Is that a Mimi Tempest? And you, because when you get to the coda for the book, there's this softer person there. Are you out of character in either one of those or, (laughs) you know, or is that not even what you're trying to do? Is part of this book about, you know, there's a there's a you can choose all these different characters and they're all still kind of part of you.
3: There's definitely a version of Mimi Tempest who is all about uh, sex, drugs and rock and roll. (laughs) That is for sure. Um, But I wouldn't say that's uh, (laughs) I wouldn't say that's me currently. Um, But yeah, there is like this godlike, uh, invincible character that just, you know, does whatever the heck she wants to. Um, and through, I guess you could say the trajectory of the book, that that kind of gets squashed. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the most honest, because a lot of this stuff is an, either an exaggeration, it's not true at all, or it happened, but I didn't tell it the way it actually <laughs> happened. I would say the most honest part of the book is the coda. Hmm. Um everything else is up is open to interpretation.
2: Yeah. Um Martina, uh, one of our listeners writes in to say, dang, slamming slam. Ah! I, <laughs> uh I love how her poetry builds through association, not logic or narrative. It is not tightly contained lyric, but rather an assemblage of experience, interaction, emotional resonance, and rhythm. Doesn't really depend on rhyme and syntactical uh repetition. Reminds me of Tongo Eisen uh Martin. Almost incantation. Mm. Um, you uh, to our our friends. are I don't know if you're actually collaborators officially, right? But you're you're poets in in the bay together. Uh,
3: Tongo and I. Yeah, yeah. He's
2: I, I'll poet be... laureate of San Francisco. Yeah, poet.
3: It, it's you know. It, it... Oh,
2: wait a second. This is hilarious. What? Hey, Tongo.
3: Is welcome, that Tongo?
2: Welcome to
5: <laughs> Hey, hey, hey. Oh hey,
3: my hey. god. <laughs>
5: As I live and breathe. <laughs> Uh,
3: Good morning, Tongo.
2: Good
5: morning. Good morning.
2: Um, Tongo, do you want to? Do you want to say? Uh, you got a question, or you want to say something about Mimi?
5: <laughs> uh, I mean, really, that uh, she's the really the greatest living poet uh, bar none. What she's doing with language, uh, the energy behind language. Um, just her grasp of, or her ability to kind of pull multiple uh, worlds down into one poem, uh, I've really never seen anything like it. it, it she's, she's really, um, she's a supernova. Yeah. And we're all like, to, like, like, like almost like, like we, like, like those who saw Jimi Hendrix play live are <laughs> lucky. Uh, we, we are, we are likewise blessed.
2: Oh my God <laughs> I, I, I thought you were going to make her cry. You made her laugh instead. <laughs> he, 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 has that,
3: he has that habit of making me laugh. Little, little <laughs> jokester over
4: there.:
2: um, hey, tonko, thank you, thank you so much. Um, you know, it does feel like there is do you do you all feel like you're a school that is emerging of a, a particular kind of poetry? That kind of seemed like what Martina was suggesting that there's a, a something coursing through some poets in the bay right now
3: do you want to answer that Tongo? or do you want me to answer
5: no please go ahead
3: um i out of out of uh deep reverence and respect for tongo i do see him as one of my north stars um i don't know i don't think tongo i don't think we've we never really talked about it i just think it's Mm -hmm. like witnessing i don't know it's like seeing another giant in the room. (laughs) Or witnessing another supernova in the room, it's like I don't know Tongo. I feel like it's like an unofficial or unspoken reverence towards each other, a deep, deep respect. Absolutely. And you know, you don't you don't have to talk about it. It just is.
5: Yeah. Absolutely. Well. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's how I couldn't I couldn't put it any uh, any better. Or the the wonderful surprise of seeing another um, another giant. Maybe one day uh, <laughs> people will look back and say that was a you know that was a clan. Um, <laughs> but I, I I think in a, I think in a way, man, that the times kind of cough up um, the poets and the the kind of the you know the the poet today does have this very singular opportunity. Um, to pull from all of these different wells of um, of analysis. And so I- inevitably, uh, analysis and ways of facilitating uh, that that kind of investigation. Um, and so, you know, y- you're just going to get these kind of almost as, as times heighten, as, as we get both like more, Kind of brilliant and desperate you you get more and more kind of artists who yeah. just throw caution to the wind, you know, and really kind of have that um you know what Mimi reminds me of is just kind of that that lord bravery like mm. no stone unturned, you know, and kind of the the braver and more desperate we get. Um, the more it, it might feel like a conspiracy, you know, but it's really more just like an inevitability.
2: Right. Yeah. It's very inevitable. Yeah. Thank sure. you. Thank you so much for uh, for calling in, Tungo. Appreciate that. Good morning, Tommy. You yeah. have a,
3: a good you. rest of your day. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> you... Right on. I will. Much love. And congratulations <laughs> on the book. Thank you. Um, I'll just end, end here with our last couple of minutes. I mean, it does, you know, Tongo kind of referenced it, right? The Times. And mm. almost feel like, the, at at this point it's not as if the violence is always obvious i mean it, it is it is kind of diffuse like the institutional violence that comes to people uh punctuated by you know these extreme moments and it did feel like a lot of these poems are responding to that kind of diffuse and confusing kind of violence um that exists for for different types of marginalized people
3: mm. i mean I, I agree i think and this might be my my yeah this is my own perspective but I think it's uh it's a habit for poets to want to naturally respond I mean that's natural right but uh I was I didn't want to respond um like overtly to a lot of the things that were happening I was more interested in writing as the most humanly painfully humanly uh poet as possible Mm. i i feel like because i existed so many intersections all the isms that's what i call (laughs) it all the isms naturally flow in um but i wasn't interested in 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 a in responding to any particular Mm -hmm. cause or within it i was interested in writing Mm.
2: at the human Mm -hmm. level uh touch some people uh mk writes i'm a middle-aged white guy wide reader english major hearing you read your poem two figures floated in my consciousness walt whitman and james baldman thank you uh that's all you're refreshing great (laughs) uh mimi tempest appearing october 19th at city lights with her mentor and friend Trong tran for the book launch of the delicacy of embracing spirals that's her new book of poetry Thank you so much for joining me, Mina.
3: Aw, thank you so much. (laughs) I had a wonderful time. 6 p.m. on October 19th. That's right, 6 p.m.
2: October 19th. I'm Alexis Madrigal. Stay tuned for another hour of Forum Ahead with Mina Kim. Funds for
3: the production of KQED's Forum are provided by the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, the Generosity Foundation,